the blast from our past network. And in the future, we don't need horses. We have motorized carriages called automobiles. <laughs> if everybody's got one of these auto horses, uh, does anybody walk or run anymore? Of course we run, but for recreation, for fun. Run for fun? What the hell kind of fun is that? How much has he had? None. That's the first one. He hadn't touched it yet. He just likes to hold it. Doc! Doc! What are you doing? I've lost her, Marty. There's nothing left for me here. All right, but that's why you gotta come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and this week we are going to be covering Back to the Future 3. And hello, Dean. Welcome. Tim, we're going to have to keep this podcast short because I like to do my killing before breakfast. Oh, nice. Nice. I'll kill whenever. <laughs> yeah, I do know that is something about you. I knew that about you. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. It's just whenever it strikes me, I'll just, I'll yeah. kill. Yeah. Um, cool. This is kind of like an unofficial franchise walkthrough because we did Back to the Future 1 because it's awesome. Oh, yeah. And then we were like, hey, let's do Back to the Future 2. And then after you do two of them, it would just be weird if we didn't do the third one, right? Oh, for sure, so, man. And so we're, we're doing it. Two was awesome. And oh, two is awesome. Three is awesome. Yeah, three is uh, three. I love this, man. Yeah, I know, I know you do. I know you do, dude. Now, when I mentioned that we were going to be doing three in one of our episodes... Uh, we got a lot of positive feedback about it. Like people were excited. People like this movie. Yeah, that is nice. Now, Dean, I hate disappointing people, but this rewatch confirmed how I always felt about this movie. And that is, I really don't like this movie. No, Tim. No, no. I know. I'm sorry. Listeners. I'm sorry. Dean. I'm sorry. I apologize to everybody. Um, but there was always something there when I no. watched it and it was, it was always my least favorite. Yeah. And on this one, I've come to the realize realization that I actually don't even like it. I don't think I'm ever going to okay. watch this movie again. Oh no. Oh, see, I kind of came to the opposite where this is the one I've definitely watched the least. Like I definitely hammer one and two all the time. Never really yeah. watch three. Like I just never do it. And after this watch, I'm like, what have I been doing? I'm going to watch this thing so much more, so many, many more times in my life. To me, like I'm Doc Brown and this movie's Clara. I got, I got the, the hearts and the eyes for this movie. Perfect. Yeah, no, that's going to be a fun episode that I'm I'm definitely, believe me, definitely looking forward to doing this episode. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, I will voice my opinion about the great. things I don't like mm -hmm. and, uh, as they come. And that's great. And you can do the same for why you uh, like this movie, why you have um, heart emoji eyes popping out of your head. I got them. They're, they're happening. I can see them right now. 
now released in 1990 with a budget of $40 million. This movie grosses $246 million. So money doubled, then doubled again, and then some more. Well done. So congratulations. Hats off. High five. Round of applause. You made a lot of money. Yeah. Now cowboy hats off. Cowboy hats off. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of money I was pulling in on my paper route. Oh, yeah. That's for sure, man. I don't know why you ever gave that thing up. Uh, They just, they changed, man. They changed. It wasn't me. It was them. (laughs) They got all like bureaucratic. Right. Yeah. 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 It was was the the system and the man came in. Yeah. They became the man. Yeah. 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 The paper route became the man. And I was like, I don't need this. You're like, let me live my life, dude. I'm only 10. I don't need the man in my life. <laughs> I've already so bought every video game that exists because of this. <laughs> I don't need it anymore. I, already, I don't need you anymore. Yeah, I already have all the comic books and a <laughs> mouthful of cavities. So I don't need this money anymore. <laughs> um, listen, what we got going on in this movie is the same familiar faces who worked on uh, the the first two installments. You bet. Obviously. So that's a really good that's a really good start. Let's mm-hmm. start off with everybody who did 1 and 2. We've got Robert Zemeckis directing. Um I also forgot to mention uh it just hit me as the first bead of sweat went down the side of my face. <laughs> it is the dry hot season in our city right now. And listeners, you know what that means. If you've been around with us for a while, You know what that means? That means our studio gets unbearably hot, which is what is happening right now. It's going to be happening for a while. My microphone stand melted one time. It's true. I had to get a new one. It just melted. It melted away. (laughs) It it wouldn't stand up anymore. So um, everybody, just, uh, just so you know, for the next, you know, three or four months worth of material, uh, there's going to be some real hot days up in this studio and we're on the third floor of of the building yeah and hot air rises yeah, uh, yes of course i gotta keep the windows closed so that the outside noise doesn't come in so that we we have the best product for you listeners so i'm just in i'm basically in a microwave right now yeah and it's just cooking me yeah it's great now dean cundy is back on cinematography beautiful and the story, oh, of course, beautiful. The yeah. story once again created by Zemeckis and Bob Gale. And our buddy Alan Silvestri on music. But the music was a bit different this time around because Zemeckis wanted the pieces of music to each feel like a character, which I noticed immediately in the movie. It's yeah. very obvious. Yeah. And I mean, definitely he delivered what they wanted. I'm not such a fan. Interesting. Yeah. There are many moments in the in the movie where I was like, this music is a lot cheesier than it was in the other two movies. So that totally makes sense because I think all those moments are when they're supposed to be cheesy because they're trying to uh, play the music of that character. Uh, yeah, yeah, like maybe support the character, yeah. Now the cast is essentially the same, uh, except we have the addition of Mary Steenburgen. And we've already talked, like extensively in the previous two episodes about how great this cast is so yeah. we don't really need to get into it but they're i mean they're awesome at their roles in the first movie they all just nailed it then they had the second movie to improve and practice even more get get to know these characters even more so 
I was expecting really great things out of the third installment mm-hmm. from these actors. And I'll be honest with you, I don't really think we got it. Okay. Because what we got was something different. Yeah. Yeah, we got something different. Um, I love the addition of Mary Steenburgen. Um, just one of my favorite actresses. Like when she pops up in a movie as like, a mom or something like when I'm watching like a rom-com and she's someone's parent. I just get so excited. Um, I think I, I might be because of this movie um, that I like have that sort of connection to her, but I just always feel like really good when she's in the movie. I feel like I'm in like good hands and she plays like a terrific character all the time. So I was really pumped to, you know, to revisit this one, see her again. I think, I think they let um, Christopher Lloyd do a lot in this movie. This is kind of his movie. The third one I think is, it's his story. And um, I think that's why it's a little bit different feel from him. Maybe um, they give him a lot more to do. And I, I'm just trying to go through the scenes in my head. I like it. Well, listen, we're going to go through the scenes in the podcast. Yeah. So don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm at the um, end. Tim. I, Let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happens at the end? Uh, I love Steen Burgeon as well. Yeah. She does such a great job in this movie. Yeah. Excellent addition. Uh, her subtle acting oh. is amazing. In she's this. great. Her, she's, she's doing little like eye rolls and head nods. Yeah. And it's just, it's the subtlety that I really pull out of her character that I thought was really, really good. Like she really nailed this character. This kind of like counterpoint to the doc like it's kind of like um a little bit like goofy maybe a little bit nerdy but really intelligent person um who maybe is a little bit socially awkward i mean she did such a fantastic job she's a oscar winner and it it definitely showed in this movie yeah i now I just want, I, I'm just going through in my head. Somebody, no, you're not supposed to be going through know, the scenes I know, I know, Tim, Dean. just wait. I'm just going to say, it's it's relevant right now. I'm just going to say that there are certain performances that I don't necessarily like uh, from people that we have loved in the past. So I understand where you're coming oh, from. Oh, dude, I know, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, this is what I'm talking about, yeah. But I like we'll what the movie's though. giving me. Like, I, I'm fine with what the movie's giving me, but you're right, it's giving me something different than the other ones. I understand. Yeah. Yes. Now, this movie was filmed back to back with part two and released six months after part two was released. The origins of the Western theme go back to the original movie, where during filming, Zemeckis asked Michael J. Fox what time period he'd like to see, and Fox replied with the Old West and Cowboys. Cool. So that's how that all came about. Cool. Now, what if he had said dinosaurs? Hey, only if he said dinosaurs. Tim, God, it's interesting so you good. say that because in the Back to the Future ride at Disney World, which doesn't exist anymore, it's gone. You go back to dinosaur time and you're flying around with dinosaurs and trying to avoid them. Oh, I took that ride, dude. Yeah. I paid the ticket and got nice. on that ride. Me yeah. too. I've been on I've been on it as well. Yeah. Awesome. Great ride. Great ride. Incredible. I loved it, man. I loved it. Yeah, it was awesome. Now, while the Wild West is not necessarily the time period that I would choose, um, the cast and crew were all very excited about filming in this time period. Uh, The actors just loved the idea of being able to shoot in a remote area where they could kind of relax on location. Uh, All the Hollywood stuntmen, all the great stuntmen, were just chomping at the bit to get in this film. And Thomas F. Wilson, who plays the Tannen character, 
was super excited and wanted to do all of his own stunts, including the lasso work. Nice. That's awesome. And Dean Cundy said shooting a Western was a dream. It seems like everybody was pretty excited about what was going on here. Yeah, and that's that's really going to help in a movie, right? If everybody's looking forward to it, ready to go. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. it's it's that's that's a good start. Yeah. So, let's get right into the story. Yeah, sounds good. So we start off and it's a familiar scene. It's the end of the last movie, which also happens to be the end of the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great it's a scene that's in all three that's movies. Cool. And it's an awesome scene. <laughs> awesome the delorean is going back to the future after being struck by lightning from the clock tower now the doc has finally done it he's sent marty back but we immediately see marty come running around the corner on the street and is asking for doc's help again and i just think that's very needy it's very needy doc has spent a week He spent an entire week helping Marty out, helping Marty go back to the future. Yeah. And they succeed. And 10 seconds later, Marty comes back asking for more help. Of course, like, Tim. Seriously, you can't do settle it by down, himself. Marty. Settle down, Marty. <laughs> he can't do it by himself. He has to. He has to go to the dock. Give the guy like a couple days just to relax after that, though. Like, no way, man. Right to it. So we're in 1955. We're at the Doc's house, where Marty has to explain to the Doc what's going on. He shows Doc the letter that Doc sent Marty from 1885. Mm. Now, you'll remember this from the last episode, Dean. I had forgotten how they're going to get back because there's no time machines left in 1955. Yeah. But the letter tells us where Doc from 1885 has hid the DeLorean that he went back in time with and where it's currently waiting for them to find in 1955. And I just think, of course, it's brilliant. It's so obvious. Like, I don't know why I wouldn't have thought that. I guess 90% of my brain was melted during our time travel discussion from the the second uh, Back to the Future 2 episode. We really dug into the time travel and I lost a part of myself trying to figure all that out. So I, I, I don't think I was able to just, just to comprehend that, of course, like the doc went back to 1885 in the time machine. Sure, the way to get it to 1955 is it's just there. He just hides it. Yeah. And nobody finds it for all these years. He tells them where to go looking for it. And it's there. I love it's it. very smart. I love it. It's very smart. I, I love the idea of like a hidden treasure type thing where it's oh, like, totally. if you have, that's how you get something from the past to the future. If you're trying to send things, you know, through time, you just put it somewhere where no one will ever find it and give someone a map to it. It's so, I, I love it. I think it's so brilliant. I kind of forgot that he like gave him a map to it. Um, so I thought that was really neat. It's, it's, it's something that's in like other movies a lot that deal with time travel. Like from this movie forward, um, they deal with time travel with this. Like if they need to send messages, they bury it somewhere because like it came, I think it came from here. I, I don't know if there's a movie, a time travel movie before this where they do something like this. Nothing comes to mind. It all made me feel really dumb <laughs> that I just didn't, didn't think of it. 
It's fine. Cause it's really, it's really very obvious. It's, it's very obvious, but also like, I mean, we, we did a lot of stuff. We did a lot of hard lift, heavy lifting, hard work in that back to the future two episode. So you get the pass. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. So in the letter, Doc has explained there's no way that he can leave 1885 because of the lack of technology available to him. Mm. And Marty and Doc follow the map to find the DeLorean, which is a pretty fun scene. Mm -hmm. Um, You get like a small, tiny kind of Indiana Jones piece in this movie, which is good. They find the car and the letter explains how to fix it. Now, I love how the movie is using this letter as a device to explain a whole bunch of different things that currently need explaining for the movie to keep going forward. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I really like this letter. Yeah. It's, like you said, it's got a map in it. It's telling them everything they need to know just to kind of get going with the whole story. So I thought it was cool. Very cool. And very cool to see the DeLorean even in this way. Like, I think it's really neat that the DeLorean's like covered up when we first see it because it just, it's it's almost like a flex where it's just like, yeah, you know what this is. You know what this shape is. You love this shape. Like everyone's going to go crazy without even seeing it. They're just going to see it covered up. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was good. Now, close to where they find the DeLorean, they also find a gravestone for the dock from 1885. Apparently, he was shot in the back one week after he wrote that letter. Yes. They do some investigating into some records and find that a Buford Mad Dog Tannen shot the dock over the sum of $80. And they also find the McFly family was also around during that time. Yes. So not really surprising that you would find Doc's grave there because he went back a hundred years and he was already a pretty old guy. So not super, you know, not super shocking that the the grave would be there. What's shocking is that it was a week after he sent that letter. So it's like he sent that letter. He's he's only been there for a little while and he's going to die. So they want to figure they want to figure something out here. They need to help Doc. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they fix up the DeLorean and are ready to send Marty to 1885 to save the dock. Now, Dean, I really love a really subtle thing here. And it's that in the cave, they show us a very small piece of the flux capacitor that was damaged. Mm. It's uh, the, um, the dock holds it up because they're talking about how the old doc couldn't fix this. There's no technology. And right. the, the, the doc in, uh, ni- in 1955 is holding the piece and it's no larger than a small candy. Mm-hmm. And now at this point, when the DeLorean is ready to go back in time, they've clearly fixed whatever was broken on it. And what you see is you see a giant two foot by three foot electronic device on the hood that must be the 1955 replacement of that small piece. That's awesome. And it's, they don't talk yeah. about it. It's no. just there. And I noticed it this time. And I just think that is such a smart little thing. I love when movies like don't tell you what's going on in that way. And you just kind of are left to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. But th- this is the only time the DeLorean has had a giant box of like electronic parts on it. 
And I think that's why. That's the only way in this time period they could cre- like recreate the tiny little flux capacitor piece. Totally, man. That is awesome. That's a great pickup. I never really thought of that. I did think of like when Doc's holding the tiny piece and he's so shocked by it to be like, yeah, you would be shocked by that because nothing's that small that would be that powerful in your time. But I didn't really connect the dots that that huge thing on the front is probably the replacement for that tiny chip that's so cool 30 it's like 30 years that's been the advancement from 1955 to 1985 it's just right there one small visual thing and it's shocking that's awesome yeah so marty travels back in time he leaves the delorean in a cave where he's chased off by a bear he ends up falling down a hill and crashes through a fence yeah he's out cold and we get the classic Back to the Future wake-up scene with Leah Thompson, where Marty thinks he's having a dream, mm-hmm. but he's not. He's actually safe in good old 1885. Right. What what really got me about this one, because like we're doing the same thing, right? We're doing the same thing yeah. over. I know what we're doing. I'm kind of not really paying attention. What really yeah. gets me is when he's just about to, like, he's like, you're my, you're my, you're my. Wait, who are, are you? you? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that he that he, get, he does it over and over, getting to the point, but then he doesn't know what he's supposed to say. He doesn't. Wait, right. who are you? <laughs> Great. That's true. That I is laughed. that was funny. Yeah, yeah. that was funny. Because in the previous ones, he's like, "Mom, mom." Yeah. But yeah, this one he's like, "I don't have no idea where where the fuck I even am anymore." Yeah, wait a second, who are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, "I don't know." Now I don't know. <laughs> now Marty Dean is off to the up-and-coming town of Hill Valley. Heard of it. Now, in the other... Yeah, yeah, definitely. In the other two movies, it's been very exciting to get to this town. Oh, yeah. Here in 1885, it's pretty boring. I'm not really feeling it. The town's not feeling it. <laughs> it seems kind of dull. This I mean, town is feeling pretty dull, dude. The town is it's a kind of like... Yeah. He gets there and it's kind of like a little bit of a wow. It's a little sleepy. Yeah. It's a little sleepy. Nobody's really enjoying themselves. We do see the clock tower, though, which is under construction, which was very cool. Cool. Yeah. Everything revolves around this clock tower. Yeah. Very cool. So, So Marty heads into a saloon and there's some old timers sitting at the table giving Marty a hard time. And these guys are actually all legit Western movie legends. Interesting. That they just brought into this okay. scene. Yeah. I'm sure you recognize the voice. Yes, of, of course. Pat Buttram. Yep. Um, unfortunate name, but yeah. fantastic character. Yeah. He's done some incredible voices, dude. As soon as I heard him, uh, my heart just melted as soon as I heard him. I'm like, totally. I love that guy. I wanted yeah. to hug my TV as a way of hugging him. I could have used but, 10 uh, more minutes of that guy in the movie. Like, just oh, talking. For sure. I don't, just put him talking in that movie. So good. You and I know him from Disney's animated Robin Hood movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also know him from Garfield and Friends. He's been in a ton of other uh, animated stuff. He's been in Westerns himself. So that's cool. They, they paid like real you know, homage to the Western with, with these three guys here. So totally. That's awesome. I was actually wondering, I know I didn't look it up, but I was wondering 
if because he was at the table and I knew his voice, if those other two at the table were also like actors in other things like that are that I that I should know who they are. So that's awesome to hear that they're they're big Western guys. They're legends that I know nothing about because I'm I don't know anything about the Western genre. Me neither. Me neither. Uh, but they are they are legends. They are awesome. the legends. Now, who comes into the saloon but Buford Mad Dog Tannen? He thinks Marty is Seamus because they look exactly alike. Great. Love these reoccurring scenes from yeah. movie to movie. This is like it's the cafe scene all over again, obviously. Yeah. Mar- <laughs> Marty's calling himself Clint Eastwood now. <laughs> it's <Great. just> funny. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> um, Mad Dog is looking for the doc, though. And apparently also doesn't like being called Mad Dog. He hates it, man. Everyone went running when he called him, when Marty called him Mad Dog. Yeah, don't call him Mad Dog. Um, here's one thing that is interesting and I, I kind of don't like about the movie. It's that the stakes are way higher in this one than the other two because Tannen has a gun and he's more than happy to kill people. Yeah. So like Marty, whereas before Marty was going to get beat up, now his actual life is on the line, which I don't think fits in this fun Back to the Future franchise. Yeah, it's it's weird um, for sure that this is totally the same sort of vibe as the others. It might even be more fun. Like it might even be more of a relaxed movie than the others, but everybody has a gun and everybody's willing to shoot anybody for any reason. Like there was moments in that second movie where there were people with guns, but you knew that was a dangerous place. And this has like this jolly fun feeling, but everybody's got a firearm. It's so strange. So Marty accidentally spills the spittoon on Tannen and takes off running. Uh, Tannen and his crew chase Marty down. They lasso him. Lasso or so? Lasso. Lasso? Lasso him. Lasso him. Lasso him. him. He, he has, maybe he has been lassoed, but in the present he's being lassoed. Lasso. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so they lasso him and then they hang him by the neck on the clock tower. Violence. I'm thinking, holy crap, dude. Yeah, exactly. This is violence unseen in the Back to the Future franchise so far. Totally. Being dragged, this is, this just is being murder. dragged through that. Yeah. Well, being dragged through the city uh, already, I was like, oh, man, that is going to be painful being dragged by those horses. And then, yeah, murder. He's being he is he is hung up and he is not doing well. Yeah. No kidding. He's not doing well. Um, listen, though, the doc shows up. With a badass rifle, dude. Yeah, man. For 1885 and shoots Mar- shoots the rope. Shoots the rope. Yeah. And gets Marty down. I love now, it. Dude, this customized rifle from the dock is incredible. The amount of like gizmos and gadgets he has to put yeah. on that thing to make it incredible. I, I love it. It's like he would know exactly what to put on it to make it, give it that upgrade that it needs. And it's just so many things. He's got a, like that telescope. He has to make even longer and longer to get like better range. It's so cool. And everyone would be like shocked by this thing. Like it is a sci-fi gun, right? That's what's it cool is, about yeah. it. It's like everyone it has no idea. They just have to trust him that this gun would be able to do everything he says it can. 
Yeah, and uh, I believe it can. I believe it can as well. He shot that rope from far away. He shot a rope. Yeah. He shot a rope. Shot a rope. Come on. You can't shoot a rope. No. This guy's this this other the one of one of Tannen's like uh right hand man's pulling out his gun to shoot him like just his like handheld pistol and he's like maybe you should put that away tannin's like maybe you should put that away he's gonna shoot you in the head yeah and then the doc was like yeah I, whatever i got this trained at your head tannin yeah and yeah biff's just like or it was not biff but mad dog right whatever, Buford, mad dog's like you for just like oh, chill okay yeah, yeah chill yeah be- it looks it looks like it's gonna kill me so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I agree. I've definitely never seen that thing before, so it could probably do what you're saying it can do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Tannen, he, he's like, fine, don't kill me. But he gets into an argument with it, with the doc yeah. and blames him for his horse losing a shoe that the doc put on. Um, it's un- very unfortunate because Tannen lost a bottle of whiskey when he was thrown off the horse, and then he had to shoot the horse. Yes, Tim, this argument is incredible. It just shows you how stupid and how irrational and how, like, violent even that Mad Dog is. Like, he says to Doc, you owe me money because you put a shoe on my horse and that horse threw the shoe. And Doc says, you didn't even pay for the shoe. So I guess we're even. So he didn't even pay for the shoe. That was that was fun. You, yeah, you didn't I even like pay that. for the shoe. I, like I guess we're even. And he says, no, we're not even because when I fell, I broke a bottle of alcohol and I had to shoot my horse. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Doc says, bring the horse back. I'll reshoe him. I'll reshoe him for free. It'll be good. Well, I had to shoot the horse. So he broke his bottle of whiskey, shot a horse, and now he's going to dock the person he didn't pay for a, a shoe to pay him up for both those things. I also like it for a couple other reasons. And one of them is in the first movie, like Biff is complaining to George McFly about the blind spot in George's car. Totally, totally. That he gets in an accident and then spills his beer all over himself. Yeah. So he wants George to pay for the dry cleaning. So I love that. I love that throwback. I love it. The other thing is I believe... The doc has been in this town now for maybe a month. Like we don't really get to know maybe a month, maybe three months. It's not a really long time. Yeah. But in his letter to Marty, he says he's really gotten into being a blacksmith and he feels like he's really good at it. (laughs) Right. I sincerely believe that he sucks as a blacksmith. Yes. And he didn't even put this shoe on correctly. And it probably was his fault that this horse lost a shoe. So I think that's very funny. Tim, I love that because this man is a scientist and I feel like the DeLorean, yes. the, the DeLorean time machine is the only thing he's made that has ever worked. Like it just that's happened true. to work for him. So now he's a blacksmith and he's garbage. He can't do anything. But he thinks right. he's, he thinks he's good at it. He thinks he's, he's so listen, good. Listen, dude, you're not, you're not. That's amazing. So it's that, it's a really funny scene. Maybe really he funny does owe Mad Dog 80 bucks. Maybe he does. I, look, I think he does. <laughs> I'm if I'm choosing sides, I think Doc owes Mad Dog eighty okay, bucks. Okay, okay. And if he doesn't pay up, he's gonna get murdered. He's gonna get murdered. He's gonna over a matter of eighty dollars. We know it. We we heard it at the beginning. We even flashed to Marty at this point, who's gonna just update us in case we forget. And he says that's the eighty dollars. That's what he's gonna get murdered over. 
Exactly. 30 for the whiskey, 50 for the horse. Now, Doc says, no way. I'm not paying. I will not pay. And then back at the Doc's place, Marty tells Doc why he came back. And it's because the Doc is going to get killed for basically that exact, you know, exchange that just happened. Yeah. Now, I think they do some time travel housekeeping here where Marty says he can't believe they left Jennifer on the porch. Mm -hmm. And Doc says not to worry. Uh, He's like, basically um, that like when they went back to 1955 in the second movie, uh, everything was correctly restored to 1985. So she should still be sleeping on the porch when Marty gets back. Yeah. Now I kind of had forgotten that they just left Jennifer on the porch. I was trying to recall when it was, but I guess, I guess, you know, that whole scene in number two where they, where Jennifer got stuck in her house. Yeah. I think after that, they kind of took her home and just left her on the porch and then they took off. The two of them took off. They leave her on a porch and Marty realizes that it's a different house slightly because he's like, as he's walking away, he's like, I didn't know they had bars on these windows. So they talk about it in that movie too. They talk about like, well, what about Jennifer? We have to bring her along. And Doc's like, no, she'll just wake up on that porch and it'll be fine. So they're doing that again because now they're traveling somewhere else, right? So yeah, they're updating us and being like, no, she's still going to be fine. This is just a character who sleeps for 80% of the franchise. Yeah, I was going to say, they were just looking for any reason to ditch Jennifer's character in number two. Of course. And they must have been so relieved when they didn't have to work with a Jennifer this movie. You know, (laughs) their hands were clean of Jennifer. They're like, they never wanted Jennifer. We have to get her asleep and somewhere. Yeah. And then knock her out, leave her in the alley, knock her out, leave her on the porch. Perfect. She's third movie. She doesn't exist. So much of this runtime, Tim, like for of the whole franchise, she's asleep for so much of it. And it's too bad because Elizabeth Shue is just awesome. Straight yeah, up awesome. So Doc is ready to go back to the future with Marty and get the hell out of this shithole. But the fuel line on the DeLorean was damaged and right. they can't get gasoline. Yeah. So Doc comes up with this great idea to push it with a train. Yes, I love the first idea. The first idea is try to get it to run on alcohol. Well, that was the second idea. I think the first idea was the horses. Get it pulled by like eight horses. Yes, yes. The first idea is horses. The second idea was moonshine. And they just just about got it started. It was too powerful. It was like... It exploded something. (laughs) It was more high octane than gasoline. So it it exploded the fuel manifold or something. I love it. I like, I really like that they're making time travel hard, you know, like, like that it's going to, cause we're in, we're in the 1800s. So it's cool that it's going to be a problem to travel through time. And it's not just like, oh, the flying car thing works like, or I guess they didn't have the flying DeLorean at that point. Oh no, they did. Yeah. That was the flying DeLorean, right? Yeah. Cause that was the one doc got electrocuted yes. with. Yeah. Okay. Oh no. But he let he, in his letter, he wrote that it can't fly anymore because when I got electrocuted, something got damaged. Well, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, yeah. It's, anyways, it's it like, it yeah, was whatever. a flying time travel machine. And I like by the time we're in the 1800s, it's hard to make it get up to 88 miles an hour. Well, totally. Cause if it can't go on its yeah. own power, like what? Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess 
I guess we both like how lack of technology is causing an yes. impact and it makes sense because you don't have the technology and you know, if you want to make it believable, don't just have them doing things that are impossible in 1885. Like yeah. if, if you're going to, if you're going to go back to 1885, make it make sense, have them struggling with these different things. And yeah, I think that's one of the thing that really, one of the things that really helps out with the movie that they just, yeah. they, they stay true to that, right? Yeah. They, they stay true. Cause that's, that's another ongoing like theme in these movies is there's always something wrong with the DeLorean, right? Yeah. So it's just, how do we fix it? You know, how do we get, you know, how do you get, 1.21 gigawatts. Exactly. How do you how do you get that power? Yeah. There's only one way, Dean. There's only one way. Push it with But the nobody train. knows when it's going to occur. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> the lightning bolts. Nobody knows. <laughs> what if we did know, though, Tim? Oh, could you imagine if we knew when a lightning bolt would strike? We'd travel through time. We could go travel we, through time. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. So this type of thing, like you said, it's always the DeLorean going wrong. Um, like, oh, they always have to figure out what to do with this car. I feel like in a third movie, um, we're out of gas could feel like it's just, you know, eye rolly and it's just for the plot and it's, you know, it's gone to, it's, it's just too convenient for the story that they punctured the tank, but I don't feel that at all. I don't feel like it's too much, uh, because I like this trying to figure it out in the 1800s. Maybe it would have been too much if they went way in the future or something, but it feels yep. right in the 1800s, like you said, because they have to struggle with the technology they have. So I, I love this part. It, it could have been anything that broke. Yeah. Um, I think they went with gasoline because that's probably the most identifiable thing for the audience Yeah, is gasoline. Totally. So yeah. I'm fine. That, that never bothered me, actually. That never no, bothered it me. Has, it has Doc never explains bothered it. He's me. like, yeah. we don't have gasoline here. You, gasoline doesn't show up for like another yeah. 15 years or something. So. But I do like, I, yeah, I do like that Marty's like, but we got Mr. Fusion. It's fine. Right. Cause the, the part, the problem in the first, in the first movie Just was feed, they needed a lightning some banana bolt. Peels. Yeah. And now they don't need that much power because they have Mr. Fusion. And it's like, well, it's a yeah. different thing though, Marty. It's something else. It's a car. There's lots of moving parts. This one needs to yeah. run. It needs gas to run. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the Mr. Fusion was broken, wasn't it? No, the Mr. Fusion's fine, but the Mr. Fusion is what replaces plutonium or replaces the lightning bolt. Now, yes. because of the gas, the only problem they have is actually getting it up to speed, actually getting it to 88 miles per hour. So they need the gas to fly it. To fly it like they need the gas to fly they need the gas just to drive it just to go 88 miles an hour because they have to be going that speed and then also have that reaction so the mr fusion is supplying the amount of nuclear reaction that they need so they wouldn't need a lightning bolt or they wouldn't need plutonium but they need to be able to drive the car 88 miles an hour because it still runs on gas yeah but in uh like at the end of number one when they fly it they're not driving it it just lifts off of the ground and they fly it do you need gasoline for that to f uh, just fly it? It just picks up and flies. I don't think so, but it doesn't fly anymore, though. The DeLorean doesn't fly anymore. It got it got broken when it got struck by lightning. Okay, yeah, that's what I was asking. Like, yeah. Mr. Fusion was broken. Like, the whole Mr. Fusion idea is broken. No. I or think something else is broken. Yeah, something else, something else is broken for the flying, and then the, the tank is punctured for not being able to actually drive the car. The Mr. Fusion is like the nuclear power. So that's okay, still gotcha. working, because they need that for the flux capacitor. So that still works. 
All right, I'll tell you what. This DeLorean is starting to sound a lot like that piece of shit clock tower that's always broken. <laughs> totally, they got a parallel going on right there. They're going to have a save the DeLorean person going around. Yeah, right? totally. <laughs> Collecting save. money. <laughs> save the time machine. <laughs> that's going to be in part four. This time machine has been around since 1885. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's great. Now... Meanwhile, something very interesting happens. Doc meets Clara Clayton. And we know from earlier on his tombstone that someone named Clara loved him. Mm -hmm. Beloved. Beloved. Now, the Doc saved Clara's life. We get to see it. He saves her life when her horse and carriage is running out of control and she just about drives off a cliff into Clayton Ravine. Hmm. Clayton Ravine. Seems like she was supposed to fall in there. I think the doc messed up here. I think he I made think a done messed up. I think the doc, yeah, exactly. Um, now we get another incredible scene here where the doc has put together another very crude model of how the DeLorean is going to go into the future. So good. This is amazing. This model looks even better than the one in the first movie. It's incredible. It's incredible. And he's still, he's still apologizing for it. It looks amazing. It's incredible. It's made out of like trees and wood this time. Yes. It's yes. so, it's so awesome. It's so I awesome. love it. And they do a really great parallel here to the first movie where Lorraine in the first movie, Lorraine interrupted this exact scene to come and see Marty. And now Clara has come to interrupt the scene to see the doc. Yeah. I re really like Tim, that. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love that part. I think it's so... I, I Here's kind of where I'm tr I'm picking up on the movie. And I'm like, okay, so we're now three movies in. We're doing the third movie. And with this movie... We're doing a Doc movie. Like, we're doing a Doc Brown movie. He is the romantic lead of this movie. We're giving Christopher Lloyd the chance in this sci-fi franchise to be the romantic lead of the movie. And that is why I love it so much. I think that's why I get so excited about it. Because it's a Doc movie, and you get to just see him flirt. Like, you get to see him flirt with a woman. Like, it's so... You didn't see this side of Doc at all. And even as it started... Like, on his tombstone, it said, Beloved Clara, and even when Marty tells him that, he's like, a woman? Like, I am not interested. I am a man of science. Like, that is all I'm interested in. But when he sees her, he can't deny it, and you get this great sort of love story between him and Clara, and just mimicking this scene, like, or mirroring, I guess, this scene of Lorraine coming in and flirting with Marty, and Clara comes in and flirts with Doc Brown. My heart kind of swells in that scene, and I'm just like, I like what they're doing here. I like that Christopher Lloyd gets to be the lead of this movie. Here's my problem is the previous two movies were about the ensemble cast mm -hmm. and how powerful all of them performed this movie. They focus on the doc secondary is Marty. And then way down the ladder is mad dog. And then even further is Leah Thompson who her character is a th complete throwaway in this yeah. movie. You may as well not even have Leah Thompson in this movie. I think they did a major disservice to her, even having her in this movie. If that's all you're going to do with her character, I mean, she was annoying. She was, her basically was nothing. She's just like a wife. And yeah. 
in the other two movies, she is just this glowing, shining mm. star who I love seeing on screen every time she's on screen. Like, what is she doing in this movie? Now, I, I understand there's like logistics that go on behind the scenes. Maybe she didn't want to be a part of three. Maybe she said, look, I'll come back just so you can use my face for like 10 seconds, but I don't want to be in the movie. But this is one of the major things lacking for me is that yeah. like her and Mad Dog and like, you know, the, the Biff character, they didn't get to do like a lot of the stuff they did in the previous two movies that made those movies so fun, so memorable. We're just focusing so much on the doc and Marty here, which is fine if maybe like those things had previously happened. But all of a sudden in this third movie, we're just supposed to forget about these other characters and just jump right on board yeah. with this new story. And I I didn't jump on board, man. I didn't. Yeah. I missed I missed the, the ensemble characters. I missed Leah Thompson delivering amazing performances. I missed Biff. Biff Tannen doing fun stuff. He's just an asshole in this movie. I mean, He's a murderous asshole. He had some fun. He had a little bit a little bit of fun. But compared to the previous movies, he had like maybe 10% of the fun we've seen from previous movies. He's yeah. barely he's barely having fun. So I don't know. It's like they just stripped the cast away yeah. to try to make a Marty and Doc piece and bring in Mary Steenburgen. Yeah. And I understand it. Look, I think that's I think that's fine. I think it's a really good movie. But for those reasons, this is my least favorite. Yeah. I liked all the characters, what they did in one and two. And uh, yeah. I'm with you. I'm yeah, at. I got you. So we're at the 1885 version of the Enchantment Under the Sea dance now. Awesome. <laughs> I thought that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so fun. That's, that's cool. <laughs> we're having fun. I'm having fun. Of right? course. You're having fun. I'm having a ton everyone, of fun, man. Everyone is having a ton of fun. Yeah. Until... Mad Dog shows up. Mad Dog Tannen shows up. That guy. And he gets sexually aggressive with Clara. Of course. It's like, oh, yeah. Wait a his... second. We... He's yeah. always just been a sexual predator. Always this exactly. guy. Yeah. He's always been that. He gets so gross. Yeah. And the whole scene ends with Marty getting called out for a duel with Mad Dog in a couple of days. But... There's a really, really important thing, Tim, that you're you're going past here, which is an amazing, I think, kind of twist, twist in the movie. And that is that Mad Dog. That he's sneaks, the target now. He's well, Mad. No, Mad Dog sneaks in a tiny gun into the dance or whatever. You have to check your weapons at the at the door. There's no door, but you have to check your weapons before you come in. He brings in a tiny gun and it, I'm thinking as he's walking up to Doc, I'm like, how could this thing even kill anybody? How could this shot do anything? He puts it in Doc's back and he says that one time he shot someone with this thing and it took him two days to die. And we are two days away from Doc being shot. So everyone's cool. Everyone's calm. Oh. Doc knows he has two days to live. He knows that the, he doesn't even have to have his guard up yet because he's going to die on Monday. And it is Saturday, so he's fine. But then Mad Dog brings up that he will shoot him with this bullet and it'll kill him in two days. So Mad Dog's going to kill him right now. He's going to shoot him right now. Right, And right. the urgency yes. is immediately up. And I'm like, that is a sick twist. That is awesome that we are no longer allowed to even though we know we know the death date of someone we actually have miscalculated here and it's about to happen right now right yeah that's a really good point 
um, what immediately happens is Marty saves the dog's yes. life. Awesome. And he be, he becomes the new target, which is another cool, t- cool twist. Totally. Is yeah. the tombstone is no longer doc dying. It's blank. Yeah. Uh, and, and it could be Marty. It could be anybody, but yeah, but the target is now shifted to Marty. So yes. uh, Tannen is more interested in Marty now than the doc. Yeah. So I thought, Which I thought I feel that, was, like that was interesting. Is, yeah. I feel like that's a victory. I feel like that's what we wanted, but then it's also like, oh no, wait, do we want that? <laughs> For sure. But I mean, with what you're just telling us, yeah. um, Marty has just saved the doc's life. He saved right his in life that right moment, there. He saved yeah. his life. Yeah. That's cool. So the plan was to go back to the future very, very soon. But Doc is having second thoughts about it now because he's in love. And Marty is able to convince him to go, though. And Doc is trying to explain to Clara why he has to just go. You know, he's, he's trying to tell her, like, I have to go to another place. I can't, you know, I love you, but I got I to gotta leave. She doesn't understand that because how could you understand that? Um and then the doc, feeling very terrible about everything, goes to the saloon to drink his heartbreak away. And this was hilarious, dude. Oh, yeah. Hilarious scene. They make him look like he's so drunk <laughs> and telling stories about what the future is going to be like because he's from the future. Yeah. And everybody's just laughing at, at what he's telling them. And someone asks how many drinks he's had. And the bartender says that's his first one, and he hasn't even taken a sip of it yet. I just thought there. that was so funny, man. And when he finally takes a sip of it, yeah, he passes out. He's <laughs> one sip, and he passes out cold. What a lightweight! <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's, well, I mean, this whiskey is smoking. We've poured a glass of this whiskey that's before, true. and it smokes. It looks like it would hurt. I wouldn't take a shot of that thing. Yeah, that came from it came from the six demon bag. <laughs> yes, definitely, man. There's wind and fire in that shit. Yeah, wi- yeah, exactly. Wind and fire. <laughs> it's like it's so funny because he's the, the way they cut it. Like he's there the night before he gets the drink pulled or gets the drink poured, and then Marty wakes up in the morning, and then they cut back to him in the bar in the morning, just going on about all these stories. So you think he's just been drinking all night? He's been holding that one shot of whiskey all night, telling stories to everybody. <laughs> That was really funny. It's, it was hilarious. It was a, re- it's it was a, a great really, joke. really smart, really yeah. funny scene. It's a yeah. great joke. Now, Tannen shows up at the saloon and um, calls out Marty for the duel. And outside, Tannen tells Marty to draw first, but Marty won't shoot. Another thing I don't like about the movie, even though like they set this up maybe 10 minutes earlier, they set up how great of a shooter Marty is. So I'm kind of looking forward to a duel with Biff and Marty because Marty's actually good. He's not, he's not like shitty at it. He's yeah. good. And we don't get that. He's just like, I won't shoot the gun. Yeah. I'm not going to shoot it because they're trying to like get him. They're trying to get a message across in this movie. They're tr- trying to tell us like, oh, you don't have to. You don't have to give in when someone calls you chicken. You don't have to give in to that, everybody. Don't, don't do that. But here's the thing. Yeah. This is this is a movie. It's a movie. I don't need to be like scolded about being called a chicken and reacting to that. I want to see Marty shoot that gun. I want to see a duel with them because they the they set it up. The movie set it up. They get me thinking that Marty's going to shoot. I want to see it happen. I don't care if Marty doesn't kill him here. 
Marty could shoot his hat off or something. I don't want to see Marty lay the gun down because now he's a pacifist all of a sudden. How does that fit into the series? I don't get it. I don't get that. But he had a plan. Like, it's not like... The plan came after he got shot at and ran away in, like, despair. Yeah, but his plan doesn't end in someone dying and a, a duel might. A duel might end in him or the other guy dying. I, I know, but, like, these other times, his plan is always like, Hey, what the hell is that? Yeah. Where was that in the movie? Where's him saying, hey, Biff, what the hell is that? And then running away yeah. or like shooting, shooting randomly and, and causing some sort of a scene or, or something like that. They're missing the cues that they've already set us up for yeah. in this franchise, in this movie. Th things aren't making sense for me. They, they're like giving you certain scenes that are reoccurring. And then when you're expecting another reoccurring scene, when I think it really needs it, they're just dismissing it and doing something different. So, yeah. So I, I, I want to talk on that um, just because I think what what they have done in the course of this franchise is in the first movie, they set up like Marty is just like the coolest motherfucker around town. He is just a perfect, perfect, cool character. Like he has no flaws at all. Then in the second movie, they give him this flaw that he can't say no to be called being called a chicken. Right. So they want to resolve that thing because they they gave him hit the flaw. Like it's what the movie gave him as the flaw is that he can't he can't refuse when he's called being called chicken. And it ends up like ruining his career um, in that second movie. So I think like you've said that this third movie is kind of to wrap up things and wrap it up nicely. That's what they're doing here. His character, to give his character a journey, he has to say no to being called the chicken, which he does. And he won't go out and do the duel, but then Doc kind of gets captured. So he has to go out and do the duel. So now he's just sort of doing it to save his friend. And so when he goes out, he's already decided he doesn't have to do the duel because Mad Dog's just an asshole, like he says. So he's going to find a different way to do it. He's going to outsmart this guy who's stupid. So I, I think that's why it's in there to wrap up the character flaw that they created in the second movie. Yeah. I, I, I get you. I understand. Yeah. I, I also think that's a character flaw. That's not something you need to wrap up. That's not like, you don't need to wrap up that he, he gets called a chicken and reacts to it. You know, that's not, I just don't think that's big enough. It was, it was barely in the first one. They kind of added it into the second one, you know, a little bit. And then all of a sudden in the third one, it's like his motivating factor to his future is like, if I react to being called a chicken, my future is going to be terrible. Uh, I don't know. It just didn't, didn't work for me. Yeah. Now, Marty, he did have a really good idea about putting that armor under his chest. Um, so when Tannen shoots him, he's okay. Obviously, he doesn't get killed. He's okay. And then Marty uses the armor to beat up Tannen. And Tannen gets arrested. Marty got that idea from Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from watching the movie. From watching the movie that Biff was <laughs> That's watching. That's true. That's true. That's, That's awesome. True. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. That's a fun moment. Mm -hmm. So with all of that drama out of the way, it's time to get the time machine back where it belongs in good old 1985. So Marty and the doc hijack the train so they can take it over and use it to get the DeLorean up to the speed of 88 miles per hour. And Clara has changed her mind about doc here. And she's chasing down this train by horse. 
this is a real big, exciting kind of finale scene. Totally. Where, yeah, Claire is trying to get to the dock on the train, and then the dock is trying to get to her. And in the whole process, the dock isn't able to board the DeLorean Mm -hmm. with Marty. And when it hits 88 miles per hour, the dock and Clara are off of the train and safe. But the DeLorean and Marty take off into the future. Yeah, and they're they're off using the hoverboard, which I thought was kind of cool to just bring it back right at the end. And when Marty was kind of hanging out the door and he was going to pass the hoverboard to Doc, I I just was like, to, I mean, I've seen this movie before, so I kind of knew it was going to happen, but I kind of forgot that the hoverboard had to do with it. And I just turned to my wife and I was like, if Marty passes this hoverboard over to Doc and he jumps on it and grabs Clara and they fly away, I am going to yell i am going to be pumped (laughs) because doc is just being a a huge hero in this movie and so i love that he got on the hoverboard and did it i'm with you there man i forgot that the hoverboard was in the movie even though they showed it way before yes they showed they showed marty bringing it to 1885 yeah um but then we don't see anything of it i forget it's there I love that they bring it in. I love that they only use it in that one scene. Just, yeah, it's just like they need it right in that moment. Exactly. They don't ruin it by like bringing it out before or anything. It's just you forget about it. And he throws it to the dock and it saves the dock and Clara's life, but it takes them off of the train so that they can't go to the future. So really, really cool scene. Now we're back in 1985 with Marty. And he's in the DeLorean. It's rolling on the train tracks. He gets out and it gets smashed and destroyed by the train, which is what the doc wanted. He, yeah. He's been mentioning this DeLorean. It always brings like trouble. It always yeah. brings some sort of trouble. He wonders why he ever created it, wishes it could be destroyed. And it legit gets destroyed here by a train. Yeah. So that, you know confirms that they're not going to be able to go back and save the doc. He's like, he's now stuck in that time period. And the doc wants to be there. The doc wanted to be with Clara the whole movie. And Marty's just like, no, 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 you got to come. You got to come back. You don't belong here. And so he goes, tells Clara that he can't be with her. And that's what kind of messes things up. But then at the end, they come back together. So it's, I mean, I'm like, great. Like, I know that the DeLorean just got destroyed, but it's what Doc wanted. And Doc wants to live back there. Leave him alone, Marty. Yeah. Like, he's got he's got his girlfriend there and they're going to have a happy life. Let him live. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that yeah. arc of the Doc kind of getting stuck there because you're right. That's what he that's what he wanted. He was he's in love, dude. The guy's in love. Of course. Yeah. Now, Marty runs back to his house to find that things are just the way they were at the end of the first movie when everything was perfect and he goes to pick up Jennifer who is in fact still asleep on her porch still sleeping still sleeping <laughs> he picks her up and she just she's just like I had a terrible dream she was out man she was dream. hard to wake up <laughs> yeah we get a quick scene with needles where Marty won't race him in his new truck and that affects his future of needles getting him fired in the yeah. second movie and I feel like it 100 yes but also in the second movie um his hand is injured and he can't play guitar um oh, and that's it's what because, it is yeah he, it's because he got in a car accident and you see as needles 
peels off, a car just comes right to the side and that car would have hit Marty's car um, and he would have been seriously injured. I feel like Jennifer would have been more injured, um, but yeah. he would have he would have got seriously injured and hurt his hand. That's what I missed. That's what yeah. I was missing. Nice. Now, all of a sudden, though, Dean, out of nowhere, a train comes crashing through time. It's cool. Doc, Clara, it was cool, and their two boys. They have a train time machine that runs on steam. I think that's the first thing Doc says How's that to possible? Marty. <laughs> I don't know. How is that possible? I don't know, but I think it's the first thing Doc says to Marty. He opens up the window and he says, it runs on steam. <laughs> I thought that <laughs> Obviously, was so he'd be funny. very excited about that. He hasn't seen this guy since he sent this guy back into the future. He took all this time to get married, have kids. He hasn't seen him in years. And the first thing he opens up the window and says, it runs on steam. (laughs) Dude, I don't know how that even makes sense. But what I like to think about it is that Clara, who we already know is also a scientist, one of the reasons they got together, I like to think that she helped him figure all this stuff out. And together they created a t- uh, like this time machine that runs on steam. I Just ag- way, agree. way beyond Emmett, what Emmett Brown himself yeah. could do. But with her intelligence as well, as a team, they figured this out. So that's kind of where I like to land that one. But the doc gives us this, uh, um, uh, uh, your, your future isn't written yet and can be anything you make of its speech. Right at the end of the movie, just to kind of try to make everybody feel good. But it just makes me feel sick. I don't, need to hear that. I don't need to hear that dude i don't need to hear that my future isn't written yet i can make anything i want of it this is so cliche you do need to hear that tim you need to hear it from the doc <laughs> i guess when i was 12 and i was watching this movie maybe it pumped me up or something and i'm like i'm gonna be whatever i want to be and that is a guy who plays video games and read reads comics and tim i'm hangs out and i'm pumped up by it here's why <laughs> yeah. because this whole <laughs> This whole Are you going to go and do something about it? No, this whole movie is about telling you that changing your past, the first movie, he changed his past and now his life rules. His parents are have money and that's what matters. Like this, the first movie is kind of at the end, like if you punch your bully in the face, you're going to be rich and everything's going to be fine. And you're like, you're going to be in so much love together. So like that's that. And then the second movie, he's going... Like, he's trying to fix the future. Like, you know, he's trying to fix what happened. He sees what happens in his future, and he wants to fix it. And this is Doc at the end being like, destroy my time machine. Don't care about the past and the future. Live your life. I live in 1800s with Clara. That's what I wanted to do. Live your life right now. Stop thinking about what changed and why it changed. No more time machines. Live your life. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I don't want that. Okay, I want I, another fun. I want another fun ending. Just I like love it. I love it. Something man. real fun. I want a cliffhanger. It's all. It's always been cliffhanger. And then I don't know. You get a little uh, one. You get a little cliffhanger. I mean, you do, but it's not. It's nothing. It's useless. It's a useless cliffhanger. I want a legit cliffhanger. Like I mentioned, I never think anything's going to come from this. They don't want a cliffhanger. They want to tie up their their trilogy, and they keep it just a trilogy. We haven't had this movie remade yet, and it's great. So the train transforms. It lifts off the tracks and takes off into another place in time. The end. Great. Um, great movie. Victory, triumphant. Everybody fifths pumps. Everybody cries. It's a great movie. 
Yeah, it is a great movie. Yeah. Um, oh, awesome. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. That. I I think it's great. I think it's great. My beefs are, I I think they stem initially from the fact that I'm not a fan of this period. I'm not a Western yeah. fan. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't I don't like them. I don't watch them. Yeah. I'm not interested in it. I think that was a big, you know, negative piece right off the bat for me. That I'll admit. And the second thing, I'm not a fan of this script. I don't think they did justice to the characters that I love. They were doing something. They were changing things. You know, kudos to them for trying something new and trying to figure out a way to wrap up this series. But it's not really what I knew or what I expected. You know, it reminds me, we we did an episode, you know, not too long ago with Super Mario Brothers. And I didn't really like in super mario brothers 2 even though it's my favorite of the of the three one two and three i didn't like how much they flipped the script on you and expected you to kind of change your thinking process from the first one and i think in this franchise they established one and two really well and then at number three they flip things on you and expect you just to accept it and appreciate it and and just get on board with it and I had, I've always had trouble doing that. It just didn't feel like the true Back to the Future 3. I almost would think it was done by a different team. Hmm. You know, it just feels like a separate entity than the first two for me. But right. it's fine. They, they I, I really wish they gave Leah Thompson more. She's just one of my of favorite course. characters. Yeah. yeah, she's fantastic. They did her dirty in this one. Yeah. She's she's invisible. She's really only there for the joke at the beginning, the mom joke at the beginning, and that's kind of it. That's there's nothing else really to her character, unfortunately. Well, I I love that you love this movie. I, love I it. know there's tons of people out there that love this movie as well. I think it's a great movie. It's just it's not so much for me. It's not one of my favorites. Yeah. Um I would recommend this movie to people though. Yeah. I, I I would. I think it's a lot of fun. I love Zemeckis. Actually, one thing I wanted to say, there were no boring parts in this movie for me. True. Yeah. Where as much of a fan of Zemeckis as I am and how I think he keeps really tight action sequences, I thought in both the first two movies, there was a little bit of boring kind of slowdown for me where Zemeckis was going a little bit over the top with his action sequences. I thought he corrected that in this movie. I think all his scenes and action sequences were super tight. Yeah. I, I really liked it. I, you know, while it's not my favorite, it was the one that at no moment was I bored in. So it's, awesome. it's, it's interesting, but. Yes, I have, Tim, I have, I still have two closing thoughts. One is a correction that I just need to get out of the way that um, at the beginning, I said the Back to the Future Riders at Disney World. That is obviously not true. It's at Universal Studio. Used to be at Universal Studio. Need to get that out of the way. Okay. Second. What I like, why why I like this movie about basically Doc Brown, it is his movie, because we open on him in the triumphant moment that we've seen in two movies already, just cheering that the first time, like for him in that moment, it's the first time he's seen one of his inventions work. And then at the end of the movie, we see that invention destroyed, but he is now like with a family and he's built something even greater. And I just, I like that 
start and close on his character. And I think having sort of just this whole romantic thing about like Christopher Lloyd and Mary Steenburgen in like a romantic comedy, I would just definitely go see that. Um, so the whole package together, even though the movie doesn't quite fit in the franchise, I like that kind of package. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, great. Great. Cool. Okay. That's my final thoughts. That's fine. I mean, that's great. That's great. I think, yeah. That would be it'd be great if, if it was only about the two of them the whole way, but it wasn't. It was about so many other people, but they just kind of like smashed it down to the, the those two at the end. So Yes. No, totally. Hundred percent. I'm just saying why it works on me. Uh all right, dude. Thanks for joining. Yeah, man. Thank you. That was great. And thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.